analytics and other data solutions for helicopter operations are crucial to maintaining safety, managing risks, and saving money. It's all what we as an industry aim to do and help you do here at RNWI. Though crucial, the tech still has a ways to go before operators can efficiently extract and analyze the precise information they need to satisfy their aims. For one, extracting the data from solutions like FDM and HUMS is a manual process. Also, what you do with that data raises further questions about what it is an operator is trying to accomplish and how. Condition-based maintenance is perhaps a common desire for data solutions among some operators and service providers. Predictive analytics and trending, looking at parts and maintaining them before they actually fail, for example. All this and more are contributing to what we know to be the digitalization of aerospace. This is the Rotorcraft Collective Podcast by Rotor and Wing International. I am your host, Senior Managing Editor Amy Kluber. I talked to a couple people about this topic. Both actually spoke on the panel we hosted with Sentient Science at Heli Expo last month. You can read that recap and watch it on video on our website, rotorandwing.com and search for Sentient Science. Both the individuals I talked to provided valuable insight into what an operator is trying to accomplish with data and the opportunities for a supplier. First, from the operator's point of view. I'm David Balovic, and I'm the SVP responsible for engineering and operations at CHC Helicopters. And in those responsibilities, I have uh, all the pilots and flight operations, as well as the engineering crew and the maintenance activities. David gave us a brief look into the current process of data analytics at CHC in particular, and perhaps describes the very data analytics process that is in place among many other operators around the industry as well. Our experience at CHC, when we talk about analytic tools like HUMS today, is is that primarily HUMS is used in in a primitive form, if I could use that phrase. It's really a a go-no-go. In other words, we, we pull the health usage monitoring system data off the aircraft. We look at it manually for exceedance of a threshold against the OEM's prescribed values. And if you don't exceed the threshold, you would you would say that the aircraft is cleared from a HUMS perspective and free to go back to service for its next flight. When I think about what's missing from the solutions today, it's really the fact that there's, number one, not a lot of automation in the existing processes. We don't have a lot of predictability that's used in the analytic solutions as far as what may be happening and how we're using all the data sources we have available to us to be more predictive in terms of what maintenance will be coming at us in the future. And I think right now we're, we're actually a long way off from being able to say that we do any sort of prognostics. So we're really just doing diagnost- diagnostics on the existing aircraft data. Given this, as David describes, the current state of the world of data analytics is one that does not provide telling observations. We can even call it just that, observations, as it takes much more work to make any sense of data in a prognostic approach, which is what we all really want, right? I'll let David explain. But when you look at the aircraft, what, what you're pulling off the HUM systems, Amy, is, is information such as um, temperature, pressure, and often accelerometer, you'll get, you'll get vibration signatures. So what, what you're seeing from today's data is, is those signals. And as I mentioned earlier, 
currently what we're doing is we're just saying, are you above or below a threshold? So has oil temperature gone above or below a certain prescribed value? So you'll go from green to amber into the red. And then, of course, once you hit red, you've exceeded a threshold and you're going to have to take action. What I think is missing from today's kind of mainstream tools is that the systems don't automatically help you anticipate as you start to um, encroach upon an amber. You know, you, you may see an increasing trend over the course of hours or even days or months. Um, it's not helping us very smoothly anticipate these trends and, and give us that warning because it's still, like I said, back at the earlier version where it's a threshold and, and it's either a go or a no-go. Among David's ultimate goals with data is to really get into the details specifically with unscheduled maintenance events and aircraft unavailability rates. When I think of, of the, the data and what we're doing with it today, um, I think the 80-20 rule applies a little bit. Say we have 50 AW-139s. Chances are at any point in time over the last 30 days, 80% of them, so 40 of those aircraft have been operating at 100% availability. Nothing's gone wrong from an unscheduled standpoint. But there are 10 aircraft that have had some level of unavailability. And what I want to do is to dig into those 10 and understand what's happening to those. Does that make sense? Because when I look at our fleet today, that's exactly how my brain looks at it. I, I look at the aircraft I have of a given type, and I say that, okay, my average availability is 96%. That's a really good number, but it's still not 100. So I want to ask the question, okay, what's causing you the 4% of unavailability? And, and that's not a simple question to answer, but if you take each of those 50 aircraft and look at them over the last 30 days, you will find that there's a significant portion of them that have had 100% availability. So it's just like the car in your garage. You walk out, you turn the key, it starts, and everything's fine. But there are those 10 or 20% that might have had a couple hours of unavailability or they might have actually a significant event and been down for days, if not weeks. And those are the ones that you want to dig into. And, and that's where right now digging in and interrogating the data for those unavailability events is really time-intensive. And we would benefit from having some tools that, that we could exercise to be more sophisticated in terms of answering that specific question of why was it unavailable. And if you really interrogate a 10-day a, a event, you're going to find out that part of it was, okay, something happened, so the aircraft's on the ground. And then if it happened on a Friday, you know, some operations may not have coverage on Saturdays and Sundays, so you lose two days there. Okay, so there's two, two days out of the 10. Then you, then you start troubleshooting, and on Monday you think you found the problem, so you buy a part, it finally gets FedExed. On Wednesday you change out that part, and you find out it wasn't that part. So on Thursday you start troubleshooting again, ah, and alas, you do find the actual problem. So you order another part, and it comes in on Friday night, but you install it on Monday morning. So there's your 10-day outage. So what is your vision for how this can be streamlined? Do you have a particular opinion? Well, I think I've got some experience from other industry where monitoring and diagnostics has, has gone on for 10, 15, 20 years. And no argument, it's been a long journey, but it all starts, you know, with crawling and then learning how to walk before you can run. That being said, 
what I would envision really takes a lot of engagement from one, I think the OEM who actually has got the domain expertise around the hardware, but also there is an emerging, emerging field with a lot of uh, data analytic expertise which organizations like Sentient Science, I think, are bringing to bear to the table where one might argue that they're not the domain experts because they're not actually the manufacturers of, say, the gearbox or the or the helicopter, but they do have analytic knowledge and a lot of experience, and that's actually what big data is all about, is it's bringing together disparate sources of data, identifying correlations between the data, and then predicting the outcome associated with those correlations. And I think that that's my experience in other industry that I've seen be very successful. And it's not always um, groundbreaking, eye-opening type of successful things. A lot of it is just block and tackling where, from my point of view, if you look at a helicopter, there's planned maintenance and unplanned maintenance. And if you can get your arms around the unplanned, you, you really have made a significant step forward. If you can anticipate a failure as opposed to getting to the failure, you can schedule maintenance. You can order the parts ahead of time so it's not an extended duration outage. And it's just anticipation of all these surprises and being able to get ahead of them would be a huge benefit to the industry. Sentient science. So who are we talking about here? If you're not caught up, the company exhibited at Heli Expo for the first time this year. My name is Jason Rios. I'm the Vice President for Aerospace for Sentient Science. The company started in 2001 and developed what it calls its digital clone technology, which can predict failure of rotating equipment such as that in wind turbines. The company is particularly known for its advancements in the wind industry. Its current entry into aerospace is not exactly its first in its history, as Jason explained. Our core technology was actually originally developed for the aerospace community. Uh, we, we, got, we got our initial funding from, uh, from the Department of Defense. It was uh, mainly related to a government initiative called the Material Genome Initiative, which was similar to the mapping of human DNA. It was an attempt to um, investigate, uh, you know, at the microstructure level, the behavior of materials to see if you could actually predict their life expectancy based on that knowledge. And so that was how the core digital clone technology started to evolve initially, and it was, it was originally designed for aerospace applications. And as we started to have success with those government programs and we started to um, expand our capabilities, it was actually our government customer, uh, you know, from the DOD that actually pointed us to the Department of Energy, who actually had a, um, a wind industry problem that they were engaged with, and that was that there were, was a problem with the, the reliability of gearboxes that were being put into, uh, into the field as a result of kind of a, a rapid expansion of the, uh, the wind energy uh, effort in the early 2000s. So um, there was a lot of substandard components that were getting out to the field, and gearboxes that were expected to be lasting uh, 20 years were, were lasting about five years. And so um, because of our experience with the Department of Defense, uh, the Department of Energy uh, encouraged us to engage with the customers in that community. And from there, I mean, it was, it was kind of a perfect storm for us. I mean, we had uh, our technology was mature enough that they had, um, they had confidence 
that we were going to be able to do what we said we could do. Uh, and at the same time, we were we were hitting it just at the right time uh, for the industry where, where there was a real need. And, and customers were really starting to identify the fact that if we don't uh, figure out a way to not only predict why these gearboxes are failing, but to be able to, to translate that into some action, um, it could really substantially affect our business. And so because of that, um, we've expanded um, on the commercial side much more rapidly um, in the wind industry because of, of that need. Um, and, and now, because of our success in wind, um, we've, been, we've been fortunate enough to attract some venture capital that has allowed us to kind of refocus back into what was originally our core uh, industry, which is aerospace. Sentient Science's digital clone is meant to be used in conjunction with existing data streams provided by techs such as HUMS or FDM to predict failure. When we look at the data streams that are already in place with, with a lot of our customers, um, like we talked a little earlier about all of the investment that the aerospace community has been making over the past 10 years in HUMS or condition-based maintenance systems. So there's, there's a very high-fidelity robust data stream uh, coming off of each of these platforms. And we recognize that there's there's a lot of value in that data, and, and I think most, most people understand that as well. Um, but when we look at it, we, we see that, that data as being a, a very useful input to our life models um, because we incorporate that data as part of a closed feedback loop and what that does is that allows us to uh, enable our models to be customized and continually updated to provide a unique life expectancy um, output for each individual asset. So think of it as uh, if you have a fleet of 20 helicopters and they're all the same make and model helicopters. Uh, so they all have the same design transmission. So we start with the same baseline um, model, physics-based model for that transmission. But as, as each helicopter operates and starts to collect data on its unique operating conditions, what you find is that uh, each helicopter, um, when those models are updated with its unique uh, operating conditions, will have a, a life expectancy that kind of starts to diverge from the rest of the fleet. So over time, what you've got is, you know, for that fleet of 20 aircraft, is you've got 20 unique uh, transmission models that have each been updated with the unique operating profiles and, and loading conditions from each of those individual tail members. And that's how our core technology works uh, when, when we start looking at advanced uh, prognostics and asset management solutions, is we take that onboard data stream and we use it to be able to continuously update our models, and it's very effective. Recall that David earlier explained how data solutions need to provide a way for operators and maintenance tech to anticipate failures, not just provide a status of the aircraft's health. Jason explains the three parts involved in monitoring failures. The way we look at a failure is, is we look at three main aspects of the failure. We look at the, the when, the why, and the how. So the when mainly relates to the timing of the failure. 
And for that, I think data science solutions are very good. They, they've, they've been developed specifically for um, the idea of, of trying to pinpoint, you know, when the failure is actually going to occur. Um, but when you look at the why and the how, the why is related to an understanding of what it is about either the design or the operating loads that is causing the accumulation of stresses in those components that's going to eventually lead to the initiation of cracks or to spalling of bearings or to whatever the, the ultimate failure mode uh, will be. Um, so an understanding of, of why it's failing is critical, and you can only get that really from a physics-based understanding of the system. And then you look at the how, and the how relates to the failure mode, the underlying failure mode. How is that is that system going to fail when it does fail? Is it going to be that a, that a gear is going to uh, to pit and ultimately develop a crack? Is it going to be that, that a bearing is going to start falling and, and become the life-critical part of the gearbox? Um, that's equally important. So when you look at those three, the when, the why, and the how, really uh, the physics-based approach that sentient science and digital clone provides is really the only solution out there right now that's able to answer all three of those, uh, those questions. If you're dealing with data science, you're mainly just looking at the timing of an event. And that gives you very limited ability to be able to, um, to make meaningful decisions on how to avoid those, those failures. But if you understand the why and the how, you have so much more information and so much more uh, capability to really sustain your fleet rather than just maintain it. Because that's really, uh, we, we look at maintenance uh, in a different light than sustainment than sustainment because maintenance is what you do when something's breaking or about to break. But sustainment is really related to that long-term commitment to the life of your fleet and doing everything you can to make sure that your, your systems are always available. And that's where we think that digital clone offers so much more than just conventional data science solutions. The point of all this is that taking advantage of tools like Sentient Science's digital clone, which is out there right now predicting failures in rotating equipment, could drive an operation to become much more efficient and profitable. And, and when you talk about how could it be more profitable, um, if, if I can have the part that I need ahead of time, that avoids you know downtime waiting on things. Um, one example that I think I would give you is a lot of times in the industry when we have an AOG event and the aircraft's on the ground, the whole organization goes into a firefighting mode where you're working to expedite everything from troubleshooting, contacting a supplier who has the part, paying a premium for that part, paying premiums on shipments, and then the whole time you also as an operator may be saddled with um, a penalty from a customer because an aircraft's not available. So it does get, it can get pretty costly. The number that I typically use within our organization um, is about $25,000 a day for, a, for a, a, an aircraft that's on the ground. So I'm, I'm just assigning a number to it so that we can kind of have an order of magnitude. There's certainly no precision to that. What now for sentient science? No, that, that's a great question. I mean, we're, we're in some fantastic discussions right now with uh, both OEMs and operators. Um, on the OEM side, there's a lot of interest in what we can do to accelerate the time to market for product, you know, to be able to, to design things and get it, get it uh, qualified faster and cheaper. 
Uh, and then on the operator side, um, there's a lot of, of interest in what we can do to uh, improve the visibility over failures of components to really um, enable effective sustainment of the fleet uh, rather than just kind of managing the death of, of some of their assets. So we're, we're actively engaged with both the OEMs and the operators because we think they both have important parts to play in the entire ecosystem that we're trying to develop, uh, which will tie the, the operators to their suppliers and kind of ensure that, that everybody is dealing with the same um, the same level of information and that uh, the things that can be used to improve the designs can also be used to improve the, um, the operations of the, the aircraft as well. You can find more information about Sentient Science at sentientscience.com. Don't forget to check out the panel recap to hear more insights about this and more from Uber's Mark Moore, Honeywell's Phil Herman, and Bell's Scott Drennan, as well as Jason and David. If you did not catch those URLs, you can find them in our show notes for this episode at rotorandwing.com slash podcasts.